0: The Hot 4 podcast this week is proudly sponsored by TEP Machinery Movement. TEP Machinery's fleet of lifting equipment, forklifts and vehicles, coupled with their highly experienced team and extensive knowledge gained over 40 years, means they can support you with all your equipment, installation, removal and movement requirements, as well as providing support for your ongoing maintenance and repair access needs. Ensure your equipment is placed in the right location, first time, Every time, give TEP Machinery Movement a call today on 01937 558203. That's 01937 558203. This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Ford Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hopforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the crap beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. At Christmas time. There's no need to be afraid. Yeah, come on, Bono, come on. Happy Christmas, one and all, to all our listeners. Tis the saison to be jolly. Ha ha ha, come on, it's, the Chris- it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Time for bad Christmas jokes. And uh, yeah, a cheeky pre-Christmas episode. Uh, first of all, if you're listening to this on Christmas Eve or New Year's Day, even big respect for giving me an hour of your time. No guilt if you're not. shame on you. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. No shame. It's all gravy or murky, murky IPAs, whatever. We're all good. We're all good. This week's episode is called The Reality of a Hashtag Brewer's Life for reasons I hope will become apparent by the end of the show. But before we crack open today's conversation with my buddy Donica Burke, I wanted to offer up some reflections on this past year. So, I'm sat here on Christmas Eve Eve, recording a bunch of podcasts to round up my 2020. Uh, My wife's in the other room on a Zoom meeting, uh, which I can safely say pretty much summarises this past year. Now, I'm going to be brutally honest. I'm pretty exhausted right now. And I'm pretty sure that you probably are too. I'm in the privileged position to be used to working remotely and largely working from home, but my week was frequently broken up by a visit to a brewery or a business or whatever with my recording gear in tow, ready to document the reality of a brewer's life from the macro to the micro to bottle shops and bars and businesses, you name it. I've been on a mission to speak to a whole variety of beer professionals to hear their stories, learn the lessons they've learned and see it for myself. However, this year has largely involved Zoom due to the restrictions on social gatherings and free movement because of the coronavirus pandemic. It's been a hard year for all and everyone has been affected through the entire supply chain from grain to glass. It's really hard to reconcile that this time last year, I was sat here enjoying a Christmas ale, the one I usually brew every December, reflecting on how the relaunch of Emmanuel's had gone at the industry tap in Sheffield and how, when I was going to take my business full-time for the first time, how the sky was the limit, only to find myself wondering where I would find work in a sector that was locking down the hatches of heavy pub doors until who knows when. The last real outings I'd had were at Brew London with Darren from the Industry Tap. I'd gone to do some podcasting and have a few pre-organised meetings. It was hilarious, actually, when I ran into Darren two hours after arriving, who'd had a few IPAs too many, and it was only three o'clock by this point. Still, by the time we visited Combi from Round Corner Brewing and Stu from Yeasty Boys, who introduced me to Rex, a 10% smoked ale... It wasn't long before we were floating along to kill the cat on Brick Lane and drinking Old Chimney's Imperial Stout with the crappier Channel's Johnny Garrett and discussing why the North was far superior to the South. When we parted at King's Cross as we had different trains home, I tried boarding my train only to discover that I was at the wrong station. I was at St Pancras. Now, I think the guard took pity on me and the bewildered look of a man who had evidently had a few pints of London Pride for dessert after that imperial stout and he waved me on regardless. However, having swore that I would never drink again the next day, it wasn't long before I hit C, but X in Liverpool. I was staying for two days this time and was up for an award with the Hot Ford podcast. So, despite the fact that there was this coronavirus thing going round. I was just immensely happy to be there. I think deep down inside, I sort of knew this would be my last outing for a while. I don't think I appreciated what that would look like at the time, but there was this sense of uh, foreboding amidst all this, you know, elbow bumping and joking and jovialness. Ha, 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 ha. The coronavirus. Ha, 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 ha. Needless to say, I broke my oath after the awards, which, by the way, I didn't win. And... My downfall was when I hopped into the cab with Sarah from Boss Brewing and a few others and we ended up in the dead crafted beer company. And because I'd paid for the taxi, they said, well, what do you want to drink? Now, there's only really one good answer to that question when there's a looming global pandemic that's about to plunge you into an Orwellian dystopian nightmare for God knows how long. Um, I'll have an imperial stamp, just a half. I'm actually, wait actually made that two-thirds now i've no idea how i managed to order a meal from five guys later that night let alone find my way back to the hotel but alas i am still here but for the grace of god i felt quite tender the next day truth be told and mostly mostly being the key word laid off the sauce a newfound friend of mine, Stephen from Navigation Brewery in Nottingham, who I'd met once before, offered to drive me home because, quote unquote, Sheffield is sort of en route to Nottingham, kind of. Stephen, if you are indeed listening to this, because I've not spoke to you since actually because of all the craziness that's been happening. I owe you an absolutely massive debt or at least some beers. It was exceptionally kind of you. And I am eternally grateful for the conversation we had about everything from brewing and culture and rebuilding a business to Catholicism and church abuse. It was such a great drive back from Liverpool to Sheffield and I am in to you for the conversation and just the friendship we shared that day. It was a mere matter of days before Boris told Britons not to go to the pub while keeping them open only to do the first in a series of many U-turns... and officially close them all together. I didn't realise it at the time... but my ache for human company in the pub... would be something that has stayed with me since... and more on that shortly. Missing my companions down the local is one thing... but taking a business full time... and relying on yourself to bring home the bacon... during a pandemic... when most businesses had shut up shop was an altogether brand new experience. I could talk for hours about that experience alone, but I'll give you a few edited highlights as well. You know, it's Christmas Eve Eve and I'm hoping you've got better things to do than to be listening to me talk about me. One of the biggest lessons I've learned in lockdown has been about valuing yourself. And as a catchphrase that I like to come back to again and again, is sticking to your guns if you want to be a cowboy. It's easy to look at someone else's journey or business and compare yourself to them and how much you charge for your beers or whatever it is, your services. But ultimately, you've got to do what works for you. And what worked for me was putting my family first and then putting my best efforts into the clients I was working with to deliver quality over quantity and then taking on a bounce back loan, the only form of governmental support that was available to a director of a company like me and buying a small unit tank so I could start brewing again. And these were some of the best decisions I ever made. An entrepreneur that I look up to called Rob Moore has this catchphrase, which is if you don't risk everything, you risk everything and it, was a huge, it felt like a huge risk to me taking on a loan and starting a business but actually I feel like it's really paid off in dividends and I'm not talking about financial gain but I'm talking about all the rest of it all the unseen stuff that you don't quite see but you know it, it's been great to see other breweries and other businesses stick to their guns because obviously they want to be cowboys and uh, adopt innovative methods to face this situation we've all been thrust into Um, I was most impressed with how Utopian Brewery, a largely unheard of brewery from Devon, sent cans of their lagers out to beer writers and journalists and broadcasters across the nation. And the results were almost instantaneous. They were seemingly an overnight success. I mean, they've been going for three years, um, but it's as if out of nowhere, everybody started writing about their fantastic beers. A not too dissimilar story occurred with the Cheshire Brewer House, although Shay Swindells has been running his brewery for some time and was on the verge of giving up. A rebrand, moving into Cannes and sending out Govinda and Gibraltar Porter, two heritage beers made using Chevalier malt, seemingly put his brewery into the limelight like never before. For me, what the lockdown made me do was reassess what I was doing with my life. I mean, the reason I started this podcast in the first place back in 2018 was to help people like me who wanted to grow a brewery, a business and a brand. And I knew I wanted to make beer, but I had to lay all the cards out on the table and just let Emmanuel's be what it wanted to be. Not the next hip, cool brewery with rave reviews on untapped and being invited to the latest beer festivals and all the rest of it. But just a small brewery that makes really good beers in accordance with who I am and what I hold true. As pubs started to open and I started to rebuild my brewery, I realised how much I miss Casca Ale and the pub. My first pint back after lockdown was in the Hallamshire house with my friend Paddy, who I formerly worked with at the Sheffield Brewery Company. We debated what we might have first. I settled on something, you know, fairly low ABV to kickstart the proceedings. But when the waiter greeted us, which, let's face it, was an altogether new experience in a bar in Britain, the words, um, I'll have a pint of Jaipur on cask, escaped my lips, and the rest was history. It's really easy to underappreciate the simple things of life and what you have until you don't have it anymore. I miss beer in the pub and I still miss Casper in the pub. It's little wonder then that the first beer I brewed when I finally got my kit working was a 4.7% British Pale Ale that I racked into a few pins. One of them is set up in my cellar right now and is keeping my thirst quenched over Christmas. Having said that, there's a lot of other beers that brewers have been kind enough to send me these last nine months just sat in my cellar waiting to be drunk over this festive period. I've enjoyed beers from a variety of brewers, including, and just if you take away one tip from 2020 is this, never start a list because you're bound to leave some people out and some people disappointed. So I apologize if you're listening to this and I miss you out. I'm really sorry. It's not that I didn't enjoy your beer. It's just, I couldn't quite remember all the breweries I've been sent beers by because I've had so many. Um, But I've enjoyed beers from the Yeasty Boys, Utopian, Round Corner Brewing, And again, I want to shout a massive thanks to Combi Crying from uh, Round Corner because uh, we were due to record a podcast on the evening my father-in-law died. We tried to cancel like 15 minutes before we were due to record and then he sent me uh, a bomber of a um, barrel-aged... Baltic Porter, I think that's what it was, um, which is still unopened because I'm waiting until we can actually gather all the family together from Edinburgh, Sheffield and Stamford and drink that beer together. So huge thanks to Round Corner for that. Uh, London Beer Factory have been great. Fierce and Noble made some great beers that they sent up. Uh, Signature Brew, Good Chemistry. Uh, Huge shout out to Kelly if you're listening. Uh, Common Writers and again to Stephen, thank you. It's been great working with you. Uh, Cheshire Brewerhouse, obviously huge, massive thanks to Shane. I love his beers. And the list really, really does go on. I've been fortunate enough to befriend many of these breweries and hear the plight and the challenges they've all faced this year in one way, shape or form. The reality of a hashtag Brewer's Life is far from the Instagrammable pin-up poses you're likely to see of a brewer smashing out the latest hazy IPAs. It comes with sleepless nights, and I'm saying this from experience of being a brewer. Sleepless nights, long hours, being in a constant state of perplexity over some fermentation issue or oxidation or whatever, all the while, for the most part, remaining unrecognised. For all the businesses that have come out of COVID, well, for whatever reason, it's really gutting to hear of the ones who have struggled. Or the bar owner that I met the other day who is holding down two part-time jobs just to keep him and his missus afloat because the government support doesn't apply to them. The reality of a brewer's life is difficult. I think that's why I really connected with Donnica when I spoke to him in person for the first time a few months back when I recorded this episode. Although our upbringings are worlds apart, he's from Ireland, I'm from the outskirts of Sheffield and Barnsley, um, our experiences of entering the industry and what we discovered were frighteningly similar. I wanted to share this episode today, which is just, again, another casual conversation between two friends, because I believe that there are a lot of people in the industry facing these kind of realities. Probably more so now we're in the thick of it than ever before. You'll hear about his experience finding his feet with a fledgling brewery in Birmingham before moving to Evolution, a brewery that succumbed not only to the pandemic, but by the boss going to jail. And had to close the brew down as a result. And fortunately now, Don is at Tappic Brewing Co. in Southampton. And as ever, is brewing some absolutely fantastic beers. The reality of a brewer's life is often brutal. But the camaraderie throughout this industry keeps us all going. It's what's kept this podcast going. Even though, as I said at the start, I'm on my knees. I'm tired. I'm ready for a break. But it keeps it going whether you're a brewer or you're cleaning lines, well, you're probably not at the moment because all the pubs are shut. Uh, You know, you're marketing the liquid on social media, you're designing cans or you're keeping the supply chain going. You know, whatever it is, everybody seems to band together and it feels like an amazing industry to be part of. So this Christmas Eve Eve, I'm raising a toast to everyone listening to this. Everyone involved in the industry in some way, shape, or form, if you're a beer writer, you're a brewer, you own a bar, you pour pints, you send out chemicals to brewers, whatever it is, I'm raising a pint and I'm saying cheers. Happy Christmas, everyone. Stay safe and don't drink too many Imperial Stouts. Because that's what barley wines are for at Christmas, aren't they? Spice barley wines. There you go. <laughs> Make sure you check us out at Hot 4 Beers on all the socials and visit our website at hot for more episodes like this one and a range of branding, marketing and beer business consultancy services to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So I do want to wish you all, again, a very hoppy Christmas and a happy new year. And I can't wait to share more episodes with you and just journey with you through this podcast with you and you'll be a business. Today on the Hot Floor Podcast, I'm joined by, well, how would you describe yourself, Donica? Brewer, uh, veteran brewer? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say veteran,
1: I'm <laughs> in the industry that long, but head Head brewer. Yeah. Like,
0: head yeah. brewer. You've been at, you've been at several breweries though, so uh,
1: yeah, and and I do, do a bit of uh, consultancy for. I've got my fingers in a few different pies.
0: There you go. So it's uh, Donica Burke. So at the moment you're at Tappet in Southampton. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, why, why don't you just take our listeners who don't know who you are just on a bit of a, a journey of how you got into the industry and the different breweries you've been in. Yeah.
1: So um, so back in uh, 2013, uh, I lived in Germany for three years, right. uh, and while I was while I was in Germany. Uh, I used to go to a, a craft brewery called Browstill uh, in Frankfurt and I used to just uh, sit in there and pick the brains of the brewer and I was just quite, like really interested in the whole process and I I got speaking with uh, my uncle in America and I, I was I wanted to set my own brewery up in America uh, so my ex-wife was American Right. Uh, as I was getting interested in craft beer picking the brains of this uh, brewery in Browstill in Frankfurt um i uh w- I, w- I was uh managing a irish bar so i w- i didn't want to be in hospitality any longer i was looking at ways out of hospitality and my uncle uh is a dairy farmer in america and he was going to finance a brewery for me in america nice um so uh, then we uh, left our jobs in germany moved uh, went to america but my ex-wife messed up something in the visa uh Gutted. So we had to come back to Europe?
0: Oh no. Where, whereabouts in America would you, would you have been?
1: Nashville.
0: Oh Nashville. Yeah, oh, I'm a musician today. as well. So uh yeah. What totally,
1: wonderful today.
0: You'd be totally living my dream setting up a brewery in Nashville. Most people go to Nashville to make music, but yeah, awesome. So you had um, to go come back to Europe then?
1: Yeah, so we had to come back to Europe and she's like, Oh, can we go stay with my friends in Birmingham? Uh and I was assured it was only going to be for four weeks. <laughs> I spent four years in Birmingham.
0: Right. Uh, that's, that's four days is too long in Birmingham. Four, four <laughs> years.
1: <laughs> so it's not that bad, but while, while I was in Birmingham, um, I joined a homebrew club. I started, I did my first homebrew on my mate's homebrew kit. Right. Cause I didn't, ha- I didn't have a homebrew kit. So I, I, I made up this recipe, I did a, did a beer in his kit. And then I brought it along to a, a beer festival, Birmingham Beer Bash. Uh, this was 20, um, 2016. Uh, so brought it along to that, gave it to uh, Gwyn from Sackabrew and um, uh, Carl from uh, Twister Barrel, who's now with Silopian. Right. And uh, they ended up tweeting about it, saying they really liked it. So, I uh, went back to my ex wife. Like, I was I think I might be good at this. Uh,
2: <laughs>
1: so, uh, she let me buy, buy a homebrew kit. Uh, I started, started brewing beers in uh, the back garden and uh, selling them. So, I was, wor- I was working as a waiter in James Italian. I started selling them to the staff. And then I started selling them illegally to the customers. <laughs> uh, I had I had my my ex-wife uh do labels for all the beers so they all had proper labels and everything obviously not barcodes and stuff yeah, but yeah. like I, um they they look quite nice and I developed a brand called Arshul, which in Irish means in progress right um so I I did that for a bit and then uh Gwen from Sacrabu uh, uh we got talking and we did um we did a collab together so that was the fir- my first uh, commercial, commercially released beer. Uh, so it was available in a few pubs around Birmingham, uh, called Revenge of, Sit- Re- Revenge of the Sits, um, and uh, that was launched in um, 26- 2016, uh, December 2016. That was that was launched. From that, I got talking to another guy that was setting up a brewery in Birmingham called Thousand Trades. Um, I did a collab with him, uh, called... Um, well, Hello, my name is Ishtvan, Yes, please. <laughs> uh, so that that was released commercially around Birmingham as well. Uh, and I looked into getting finance to set up my own uh, brewery. But because I hadn't been in England long enough, I didn't have a credit rating. So. Mm. I didn't. I I couldn't get any any finance or or any money to set 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 something up in England. So I started looking at uh, maybe immigrating to China. Uh, wow. <laughs> at this point, what I. What to had, set
0: up a brewery in China?
1: Uh, well, I I was looking at doing. I did a TEFL course, teaching English as a foreign language because there was I uh, not making right, any okay. money. Yeah, I'm not going to make any money out of this brewing thing here. I can't. I can't make it work here um so I, I did all the visa applications did a tefl course and i was i was going to i was looking into breweries in china maybe try and get in get in over there um and i i was i had almost completed and i heard uh, there was a new brewery opening in birmingham called dig burko um and I, I went i went to dig burko uh, with a mate. Uh, i'd had a few beers by this point um i tasted i i looked at the equipment, the, the equipment was nice and shiny, beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautiful venue, um, and uh, I tasted the beer and went up to the bar and I said, who owns this place? And the owner came over, uh, Ollie, uh, he, he, he must be, he was about 23 at this point, so he, he'd set up a brewery and it was well, he's just...
0: 20, he's 23?
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, so he's young lad, uh, and... Uh, I was like, your equipment's amazing, but but you're beer is shit. Uh, and it is like, who are you?
0: Uh, <laughs> With a few more expletives in that sentence, like who the. F- <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I have business I have business cards in my in my wallet, so I had done up business cards for my shoe thing. Uh, so I, I gave him business cards. I, I'm a brewer mate. Uh, and it he said, do you want to have a go? Uh, see if you can do better. So I did. Wow. Um, and <laughs> I, I, bre- I brewed a beer um, uh, called Have You Seen Tom Snapchat? Uh, so I, I brewed that beer, 4.8% double dry up um, bale uh, with London fog yeast. Spare no expenses. Um, do you know,
0: I, I remember, se- I've not had it, but I remember seeing that beer, actually, because that, that name rings a bell. Yeah, it was, it was,
1: so... A lot of beers that I did under our school were memes of real people. Right. Uh, So, uh, hello, my name is Istvan, yes, please. Uh, It was a Hungarian guy that was working in Italian. And the only words he had when he first came over was, hello, my name is Istvan, yes, please. (laughs) That's how he introduced himself. (laughs) I asked him, could I name a beer after him? He's like, yeah, you you can, but um, can I be a cat? So he's like on the pump club. He wanted me to put whiskers on him, but like, <laughs> um, but yeah. And this uh, uh, Tom, uh, this Tom guy, uh, he he used to uh, post things on Snapchat like buying FIFA in the middle of a nightclub and uh, cooking eggs at five o'clock in the morning when he was smashed. Um, so I just thought it'd be a good, good a name for a beer, so i, brought, I um, that's why I brought that over nice um, but from from that beer, that beer went down really well. Um, people started like, I started seeing on untapped people saying, Give this man a job. people were putting commentary on the uh, untapped uh, so uh, Ollie hired me, so i I, I came into the Uh there was an, the ahead were there was a head brewer there but from a from a cast background. Right. Um, so the two the two of us uh, worked side by side, uh for the next nine months.
0: Yeah. Um, so how, how did how did you guys find that relationship? Because I I'd had a similar kind of relationship with the head brewer Sheffield Brewery when I was there, uh, the brewer and one of the owners who who basically was like huge camera member, huge cask, and I I came in, you know, bringing my quote unquote craft beer with me. I remember the first time we had some cakes delivered and they came off the back of the the lorry uh, one of his mates from Cameron walked past he's like, "Oh, what's this?" And he went, "Oh the antichrist has come <laughs> bless him he wasn't a fan
1: he wasn't he wasn't that staunch right. uh, like Cameron. he he was like he'd just come from casper like the guy was only he was only about twenty one or something right like they they he come straight from some uh university course or something. Right. Like okay. That. And he, he worked in some Caspery in Leicester for a year. Uh but we kind of learned a lot off each other over the next nine months. Mm. Uh so um I thought him a lot about um dry-hopping techniques and um like chilling the whirlpool and not extracting uh the bitterness when you're doing New England's uh like you learned a lot of me about about um different yeast strains that we used uh souring techniques so i was i was learning off of other like i was ringing up other brewers that i knew asking for advice and then i was passing the advice on yeah. to him and he he was teaching me like about the kit and that like i like so i i would not really brewed on a on a big like it was a 10 heck uh, I'd not really brewed in a big kit before Bruco, but by the time I left Bruco, I'd done seventy-eight different recipes, and i pushed the limits of the kit mm. to see what what I could get out of it. Like it was like such a baptism of fire. <laughs> I I I feel it's a lot better than going to like a uni or anything like that.
0: Yeah, it's that's that actually sounds similar to my experience. You know, the the, the steeper the curve, the more you learn. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. What, what was some of the biggest kind of, or what was the biggest sort of, um, you know, when, when that point, when you kind of realize, I'll oh, push this kit too hard, you know, and, it, and it's, and it bites back, like, what's the, what was the biggest thing where it's like, oh crap.
1: When you, when you're, uh, trying to clean the, you, when you put too much hops in the, in the whirlpool you you're trying to clean it out and all the pipes are getting blocked. And you're you're there at 11 o'clock in the morning, squirting water at, at, at this pile of hops in the middle, of, oh, in, in the in the middle of the cone after the whirlpool. Uh, uh, or uh, there was another there was a beer we did, and we um, we're like, oh, may, maybe when you get food food concentrate, it's uh, the like there's no sugar because of the concentration process. We were wrong. Uh, <laughs> we, we had lots of exploding cans from that beer. Oh no. <laughs> Um,
0: it but yeah, they,
1: like I uh, put uh, thirty percent rice, uh, flaked rice, into a into a lager once. Um, that was a very stuck mash.
0: Stuck mash is the worst, aren't they? Yeah. I did one once with um, the clothes now, but they're called Eyes Brewing in Bradford. They're oh like, yeah, yeah, they were yeah. like a wheat-focused um, producing brewery, and we'd, we'd, it was my ingenious suggestion. We did a, a toasted. Wheat double dry hopped IPA, and um, I i loaded the grist case up wrong, so I stuck a load of oats in, in addition to all this wheat, um, but just in kind of like one concentrated area rather than sort of like you know layering them up. The and then I was like, "Oh, I've, I've read about um, first work hopping, which is where you stick the hops into the mash." I was like, "This, yeah. this is going to be an amazing beer. It's going to be so good." Needless to say, um, by eleven o'clock at the runoff, we wait. Well, it took us until three p.m. to get the work out of the mash tun, and then because we'd, we I mean, we literally had to resort to like buckets with a. Uh, like a homebrew, do you know, you you get like those strainers, like a big disc with lots of holes in for like homebrewing, like what you put in your homebrew kettle. I had to use that over a bucket and be tipping it in, but then you'd be getting grain and all kinds of crap into the, the brew kettle. And then, um, you know, we, we boiled the wort and then it just got stuck. And the transfer took five hours. Come half six, I was like, you guys need to go back to Bradford now. And then I was still there at, like, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> it was awful. The beer, the beer was all right. <laughs> you know, if it had been amazing at the end of all that, it have been like, yeah, well, it was worth it, you know. But it was just all right. <laughs> the pumpkin looked nice.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's like, there's a lot, there's a lot of, like, um, coconut is another thing. I try. I, uh, we did a collab with Brewerke. <laughs> And I did a uh, mango, apricot, uh, coconut and tonka bean sour smoothie IPA. Like uh, probably the most bonkers beer I've ever done. But the um, the coconut solidified in the coat of the kettle or in the cone of the fermenter. I oh, know. Um, it was. I didn't realise until I went to open the fermenter to clean it. Uh, so managed to melt the coconut with the HLT water. Um, coconut went went down into the drain. Then it solidified into the, in the drain again. <laughs> so I was getting ready to go home. I went into the in into the back room where all the kegs are stored. And I'm like, oh, it's like a swim pool in here.
0: Oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Those those kind of things kind of they make you, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> they make you the person you are.
1: <laughs> like yeah, when when you when you're there at like eleven o'clock at night or one one a.m. and and you're rushing rushing to get out because you've been there all day and you've had loads loads of fuck ups and then you you splash a refractometer and a refra- uh, hydrometer.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, it it all comes at once, doesn't it? Because yeah. I think about I mean, obviously it's very physical, so you're pretty tired anyway. But by by those silly o'clock, you know, if you've had one of those brew days, it just. Gets on top of you. I, I remember. Um, I think this was my first. No, it was my third commercial brew. Um, we did. Um, it was just like one of the st- standard core range beers. But I thought I'd drained off the mash tun, and I hadn't. Now the brewery was on like three floors. It was in an old polish works, and so the mash tun. It, it was. It was great because it was on like this mezzanine floor, and you could tip it over. Um, And and down the chute, everyone that came into the brewery was like, oh, I love your mash tun. I wish I had that. Anyway, I'm pulling it thinking, feels quite heavy today, but it was a higher ABV beer, so I thought it just might be the grain. And it it got literally to the tipping point. I realised what was happening as it just kind of, it went over, but I couldn't stop it. And it was all this water and spent grain just went everywhere. Well, I say it's work, wasn't it? So it was all sticky yeah. and it cascaded all across the mezzanine floor onto the malt bags that were stored up there, all down onto the next floor, all into the cellar. And it took two hours to clean up. And then because it was super hot that day as well, we were doing the transfer. Um, you know, um, I think one of the chillers broke. So then I was trying to like move the chiller, but there was like a brick, solid brick, red brick floor in the cellar where the chillers were into the fermenter room. So it's I'm trying to move this um, remote chiller, and it's all the water's going everywhere, and then it splashed on something, and then it tripped, <laughs> oh, you know. And I, I I remember at the end of it coming home because it was also new to me and my wife was like, you know, it was like super late. She's like, I, how are you get on? I just burst into tears. Like, I don't want to be a brewer. <laughs> Why am I doing? This isn't this is shit. <laughs> um, Still, we, all, we all have those kind of days. We do, don't we? Yeah. So, um, so, so how come you moved on from Dig Bruco? Uh, well, so, uh, August 20,
1: August 2018. Um, so I joined Dig Bruco in like November 2017. Right uh august 2018 uh the other the other brewer left uh he went he went to Beaverton. right um and i got made head brewer uh the uh ollie s- said that he was going to get me a um assistant brewer and and plus pay, pay me more uh <laughs> none of the none of that happened um we um in Fe- February we we won uh raise the bar. So we won the raise the, the same thing that Unity won. Right. With, uh, the We are beer competition, raise the bar. So we, we won that with uh Fall City Turning Point and Mothership. Uh so we got to go to all the beer festivals around um around England or round United Kingdom. uh because one's in Scotland.
0: Just uh I think <laughs> Dig Bruco were down for the um Big Fest which I was helping eyes put on, but it never happened.
1: Oh, yeah. We, so, uh, we were done uh, earlier. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, we, yeah, we, so we were we were in Bristol Craft Beer, London Craft Beer, Edinburgh, and there was uh, Beer Central in, in Birmingham. Yes. And uh, from that, I got a, I got approached by um, a guy called Patrick Fisher, who's uh, who co-founded Evolution. Mm-hmm. And uh he he offered me um like he offered me forty five thousand pounds a year to go up to go up to evolution. Um and I I I spoke to spoke to Ollie about it and we we had a massive chat and uh I uh Ollie was like, you're part of the family, like, all all this all this crack, like trying to trying to keep me in the brewery. And uh, there was a plan to for me to get equity in Dig Bruco. Mm. so I, I, I took all that on board. Like I was on much less in Digburoco than than forty five, obviously. Um, I took all that on board, and I was like, okay, I'll stay in Dig Bruco. Um I really believe in the like I, I really believed in the in the brewery in the brand. Um, I felt like I'd built the whole thing. I'd built it up with Ollie to what it what what it was. So it was very hard for me to leave it. So um then that was that was March when they approached, approached me. Well he did he did come back again and offered me fifty two when I refused, but I refused again, even though it was hard, but uh <laughs> then um uh it came to uh June. And in June there was a there was a it was a Guardian article about Dick Bruco and uh Ollie had omitted any um, mention of myself in the article. Um, and it it got my back up because when I read the article, I, I was I was on a uh, a brew that wasn't going all that swimmingly at eleven o'clock at night. I'm reading this article, going, "Why am I? Why am I not getting mentioned?" Like, yeah, he founded the thing, but I I just it, it just got my back up. And then when I when I challenged him on it, I. He, he didn't see my 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 point of view, so we 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 ended up falling out, basically. Mm. Um, and uh, we had a massive argument at uh, Bristol Craft Beer, not Bristol, uh, Birmingham, but the Birmingham Beer Central Festival. Um, and in the the next week we flew to Belgium for Beer Fifty Two because they sponsored that We Are Beer competition. Right. Uh, so they flew us o- over to the property uh, near Antwerp um, and the two of us were barely talking. Um, and then I, I came back and I uh, got back in touch with evolution and I was like, you still need a brewer. So I, I went, I, that's when I moved, I moved on to evolution. Mm. But, but like the, when I made when I made that, like, I was, I was in tears when I made that choice, made that choice because I, I put so much into Digbuco, Bruco and I, I believe so much. And I still believe in the, in the brand. And I still, it still feels like it's part of me. Uh, the whole, the whole ethos, like it was, it was a really nice ethos for most of the time I was there. And like, I'm really, like I've, I've made peace with Oli now. I'm, I'm friends with Oli and
2: um,
1: I'm really proud of everything that he's achieved since I've left, uh, left Digbuco yeah it can be really hard
0: those kind of transitions i mean i've I've had jobs before where it's it's they've been you know really painful to leave particularly when you feel like you've poured your heart and soul into them you know it's 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 hard so i, I totally appreciate what you're coming from it's really hard when you've um you've poured your heart and soul into something to help build something up and so um tell us about evolution so you moved to evolution and tell us about the set up there and some things yes. you learned
1: so evolution like it's it was a uh... Massive setup. 18,000 square foot unit. Right. Uh, Right. 25-heck semi-automatic Bavarian Brewing Systems kit. Nice. So it's like mash mixer, louder, uh, kettle, whirlpool. um, And it was four 25-heck fermenters, 250-heck, 216-heck. And it was like ample space for growth. But that was set up by... um, uh, Former founder of Redwell uh, called Patrick Fisher. Yep, um, and uh, his at the time girlfriend uh, Samantha. Elliott. Um, and they they got they got finance from um from a property developer in uh, in Norwich. So they right. they got a property developer. In, so Patrick Fisher convinced this property developer in um, uh, in Norwich to um invest in this brewery
0: so when you said norwich i thought you're going to say something like dubai or something
1: <laughs> i no, wasn't it, expecting norwich <laughs> it, yeah he's just this was wealth, wealthy property property guy from from uh norwich and like he didn't he he drinks wine like he had he he had no involvement with the brewery really right. he 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 put up the money they bought the kit off of a brewery that was a battlefield brewery i don't okay. know if you've ever heard of it no um so when I went there uh, they were having uh a lot of issues with uh their current brew team. um so they they were like when I went in I pretty much dumped every every fermenter uh and wow. yeah and poured every keg down the drain and threw it, threw away every can and pretty much just started from scratch again
0: yeah. So, what was that like for you then, coming in and doing that? It, 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 like, how did the rest of the team respond to this guy coming in and swanning in and be like, "This is all,
1: throw it all away, darling"? <laughs> um, <laughs> it was. It was a. It was a bit of a weird. Like, so um, at the start, the, they were all kind of uh, like, "Oh, you, you've come. You've come to make make things better." Uh, like they were they were trying to be helpful um then uh about three weeks after i started uh they got rid of the guy that was the head bird before me so they got rid of him um and then the other the other guy that that was his assistant bird kind of moved into the office and he, he kind of he kind of actually like he did he was doing quite well like like doing stuff on brewman and like, so we kind of had a place for him. He it he, mm. he was happy, he happy doing brewman and and um, and all that back. And he, he, he was he was quite helpful with like the legal aspects of everything. Uh, and then I brought in an assistant brewer, uh, my own assistant brewer. So um, like they say, when you're building a team, you always build people that are smarter than yourself. Yep. <laughs> so I brought in. Um, uh, the system brewer of purity to be my system brewer, uh, a guy called Ben. Uh, he was brilliant. Like I learned so much off of him, uh, but c- counting yeasts, uh, yeast viability. Um, There's loads of like QC stuff, even like tasting sessions and sensory analysis. Like so, like I was I was dead happy that I brought him in because it, I like. I'm constantly wanting to learn, but that's that's kind of like why my brewing name is Arshul in progress. Because you're always in progress. You're yeah, always exactly. le- You're always learning new things in this industry, and like there's no day goes goes by that I won't bounce ideas off of George at Padstow or um, uh, Chris at Burning Soul. Like i bu- i bounce ide- ideas off different different brewers all the time and get advice for things that i come come upon that i've not come upon before um so and we had a, a a brewing assistant called liam he he was great guy he'd been there since battlefield days he was great uh putting away kegging he'll dig out dig out the louder tone uh it was brilliant so we had a really good team uh we had a, a sales um sales team a guy from a, a gin company in norwich um and uh a guy that's now an assistant for a twisted wheel
2: okay yeah
1: uh, called david uh so uh, we had a great team uh everything everything seemed like it was on it was on track uh,
0: I can tell this is going somewhere with uh everything seemed like it was on track
1: <laughs> yeah uh then uh there was a bit of a bombshell in November uh the fo- the founder
0: is this november purple. last last year or this year
1: yeah uh november
0: 2019
1: right so november 2019 um patrick fisher goes to jail goes to jail for fraud
0: so the the owner goes the to owner, jail for fraud
1: yeah wow but not not the fraud wasn't related to evolution the fraud yeah, was yeah. related to his old brewery redwell gosh uh, so so uh, patrick fisher goes to prison for fraud um so um the so what was that like
0: for you guys finding that out
1: um like i i i knew there was something like he had something on him because i i like looked into the company before it started work there and found this article uh saying that he 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 had his court case postponed or something um but I, i was never told the full detail i didn't like they were, like, oh, it's only something small, like he will probably just get a get a fine. Like he didn't really do anything majorly wrong. That's that was the company line. So I thought, okay, cool. Um but the my assistant brewer, who who I got to leave his job at Purity, he'd been there for six years. He he was dressing. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, he, ra- he, ra- he rang me up and he's like, What the fuck's this? Like uh, what have you got me into? Uh, so then a- after that we, we had a the uh, investor guy came up and we, we had a, a a kind of a crisis meeting um
0: so did you met this guy before was this literally like the first time you met oh, this I'd,
1: I'd met him before like he, he he used to come up and um like have chats with the founders so samantha and and, and patrick but like he never really conversed that much with us like he didn't he didn't know anything about beer. He didn't know what a fermenter was. He didn't know what anything was. He he just thought it was a it was going to make him loads of money, <laughs> uh, because that
0: Brewery's that's, making people loads of money.
1: <laughs> because that's what he <laughs> that that's the story he was he was fed by this Patrick Fisher guy. He was told by Patrick Fisher, "Oh, invest in this brewery and we'll supply supermarkets and so we'll be millionaires." Uh, wow. <laughs> um, and uh, so. We, we sat down uh, and he said it to myself and Samantha. Um, he said you've got a you've got a year to break even like so you've got a year to reorganize yourself, get 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 everything going smoothly, kind of uh, deal with whatever comes of it in the press in if anything comes of it in the press or whatever and uh, let let's let's get the place breaking even in a year." So I bet you're um, thinking
0: at this point, yeah, no probs. It's November twenty nineteen. Hey, we'll can have our twenty twenty vision. You know, it's all gonna be great, twenty twenty, you know, going into the new decade. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. So we um we 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 had like uh, we had a branding guy as well, uh, a guy called Tommy. Um so I we all sat down and we had an idea we had a we try to work out where, where we, where we want the company to go. Because before that, it was this Patrick guy that was dictating the beers that we brewed. So we're like, OK, we, we need a core range. Uh, if we want to go into tackle the supermarkets, we do a, co- a core range of four uh, easy, easy beers, like an, a nice lager, uh, Irish Red, uh, Session IPA and um, uh, West Coast. Uh, so, like, we we pitched these three beers in three fairy milk cans. We said if we want to go go after where like the likes of Five Pines, the likes of Vocation are, this is this is where we want want to go. Um, they 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 agreed to do that. So we 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 went ahead. Those beers launched in February, um, in the craft beer rising in London. They seemed to go down quite well. We had some interest from Sainsbury's, uh, some interest from Marks and Spencers. Um, and, uh, at that beer festival, we also got quite a bit of interest from wholesalers. Uh, we, uh, start to March, we, we, we did deals with wholesalers that they were going to take a, take pallet. We had pallets, loads of pallets going out in, uh, April and we we're supposed to supply, uh, supermarkets in the summer. I think coronavirus happened.
0: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and then what, what did that lead to the business?
1: So initially, um, before before the lockdown, uh, we were told separate into teams of two. So myself and the um, one of the sales guys, David, uh, we were one team, and then Ben and the Liam, the assistant, the brewing assistant, was the other team. So we never crossed paths, and we 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 worked alternate days, uh, so we did, we uh, minimized the risk of mm. uh, the whole team going down. Um, at the start of the lockdown, we we were shifting uh, about five grand's worth of beer per month through online sales, which, considering we were kind of no one, wasn't wasn't bad. But our rent was eight and a half grand a month. Right. Um, yeah. And, I'm pretty
0: sure people could do the maths.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> uh, like, and we we didn't we didn't get any um, uh, exemption on uh business rates because we were over the threshold our business rates were two and a half grand a month um like the 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 amount of like the costs were just building up uh two weeks into lockdown uh the owner uh rang me and samantha and he said um i'm pulling out it it was i i've already lost um over a million pounds i'm not putting any more money in uh, he he's, he said he couldn't see it uh, being right until uh next year which is is actually right uh yeah <laughs> um so he but he said that he, he would pay um he would pay myself and and Samantha uh four month salary to start winding the company down um so uh basically s- I was, s- I was
0: what was that like for you at that point?
1: It was a, it was a very weird scenario, like just itemising all, all, all the equipment, uh, pulling everything out, like strip it, basically stripping the whole brewery of everything. The, mm. wor- the, wor- the worst thing, I think, during the whole four months of closing the thing down is um, because we were building up to supply wholesalers in, in April, uh we we had um we had about five five six hundred kegs of beer that I had to painstakingly pour down the drain.
0: Oh my word.
1: Yeah. And uh we, we had thousands of cans that I I had to tip in a skip. So like it was just soul destroying like seeing seeing something that could have been great just like be nothing like that like mm. even the, the tap room like they spent they spent 50 grand doing up the doing up the tap room the tap room opened in august and um i i had to dismantle all the furniture in the tap room and i take it like i, I even sold the the beer taps right and the fridges and like just see going in every day and seeing it be taken apart bit by bit um, it was unlike any other job that I've left because mm. it was yeah it it, it was just every, like even though I I was only there for a short period of time it felt like we had like because I built a, a team myself and uh, and um, we all gelled really well and uh, seemed like we had we we were going places like even like in February in the Craft Beer Rising. Uh, actually, it's not called Crafty It's called
0: Brew London, I, yeah, right. I was at that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, sorry, Brew, Brew London. Um, in Brew London, we 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 had such such positivity coming back from it as a team. To then spend the next four months dismantling and like breaking apart all that positive energy. Um, yeah, it was hard. Uh, there's no no doubt about it. And then, mm. like. Uh, now, like now, the, the, the so the ladder, they gave up the, the lease in May, and uh, the building was was rented. <laughs> uh, the, the the building was rented to um, uh, stainless steel and stainless steel sheet manufacturer next door, and it was just like stacked to the to the roof with stainless steel and the brewery equipment was craned out There's, the site then there was a massive neon sign taken down off the front of the building yeah it was uh I, oh i had um i had barrel aged stout as well i had uh see oh. a 16 barrel aged stout that I, that had been in there since november that i had to pour down the drain
0: you're not siphoning any off into uh bottles myself or?
1: <laughs> yeah i have some in the
0: fridge yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, if you get, if you if you got to siphon that down the drain, you want to make sure you take some with you. Yeah, man, that's yeah. good thing. So, I mean, for any because unfortunately, this is a sad fact. I think, particularly with COVID and the economy, and over the months and years that are going to come, you know, there's going to be more of this, unfortunately. Yeah. And for any brewers that list to this, that unfortunately might find themselves in a similar circumstance to you, either winding down someone else's business or winding down their own. Um, I mean, what, just take us through the nuts and bolts of that process, you know, everything from having to list stuff on, you know, either an auction house or uh, I know you'd put some stuff on a Facebook group because yeah. I approached you about buying a beer gun, I think it was, yeah. um, but just just take us through that entire process from a practical point of view, like what, what should somebody do in that circumstance? Um, uh,
1: like, so the first, the first thing... Like contact your suppliers about uh, like any hops or malt, and uh, a lot of them you find that they'll work with you and they'll take back unused bags, um, and give you, give you credit, which is a lot better than selling it for less. Mm. Um, the uh, all the beer that you destroy that you throw away, you like make sure that you document it and keep 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 it keep it on file in case you're. You're investigated or or anything. Um, the uh, listing listing stuff like you just all the small stuff like get like get a room in your room, put everything on a table and list like say if you've got a lot of jugs and uh, beakers and stuff, just put stuff in lots and uh, take a picture of it. Uh, give give in, enough description. And, uh, yeah, li- the Facebook thing is the best place to list them. But the one thing I would say about listing on Facebook is um, uh, forget about your emotions because the minute you list something like an Anton Parr on on a... On a like, I'm just taking that for an example. On the UK beer and brewing festivals, uh, your phone will light up like a switchboard. Yeah, but it's like...
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like... That that was that was tough. It's like it's like vultures. People were like, oh, have you still got this? What do you got? Have you still got this? Can I get that? Can I get this? Can I get that? Yeah. And it's like <laughs> that was that was my that was my existence for the for for quite for a few months. And it was the thing. Another thing is that I was still like, if if you say if you have you have four months in your premises that you you can slowly wind things down. Take the four months and gather your thoughts and think about what what you want to do mm. next and while you're doing that still uh keep an online shop open if you have stock because we, we we kept online shop open until uh the end of june so uh, i was still dispatching uh dispatching cans uh around the uk uh and there was uh forklifts loading stainless steel around me
0: so that must have been a bit surreal. people yeah, be was, like, oh I'll buy some of these beers these look nice and well you know the the emptying the the unit
1: yeah like we we did it like there was no public statement like i i think we I think we should have made a public statement like there was no public statement from evolution. it was just like it was dismantled, and the uh Facebook and Instagram were deactivated, and Twitter. And it like it just disappeared it didn't it just no... ceased to exist
0: yeah it yeah. from existence
1: but but that's that's what the that's what was was wanted by the 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 owner so that's what was done
0: Wow, so before yeah. we look at what you're doing now then um just just take me that day to that like, that last day of like handing the keys back and stuff like and, and walking away like how did you feel
1: um i it was, it was quite to be fair, it was quite relieving. Like right. so, my last day in Shrewsbury, I, I went to the brewery. Uh, I nabbed the fridge and the telly, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, packed up the van. Got uh, took a, took a few of the last cans because the land the landlord said to leave some of the cans for him. Uh,
2: <laughs>
1: so so I, I I took a few cases of cans and then drove drove out the gate and that that was that was it. It was like all the equipment and everything was still there, but it's subsequently been taken out. And I think it's for sale somewhere because someone, someone rang me about, could I uh, go over to the Man to commission it?
0: Right. Oh, wow. Okay. So are you are you going to do that or?
1: Yeah. Like uh, for, for money, obviously.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> so before we talk about what you're doing now, as conveniently as we were recording this, the, uh, the postman turned up with his box. So, uh, and it's got your name on it. So I think as uh, so I think this will be a nice little segue. I'm going to crack this open, although I'm not going to have a beer now. So I'm just, I'm literally just going to look at it now. Um, but w- as I, as I open this, why, why not not you tell me what's in this box?
1: Uh, so I've got i uh, got Interstellar. Uh, so this is uh, an IPA, five point two percent. It's using hops that people might not have heard of before, like as- there's Astra and uh, Sultan in there. Nice. Sultana is a, is the new name for Denali. Yeah. Um, it's got a, a little bit of spiciness to it, but it's also quite quite fruity. And I've used I've used um, a yeast from uh, Wicklow Hop or WHC Lab in in Ireland uh, called Sanders. So it's yep. a new, it's a, uh, New England yeast, um, Vermont yeast. <laughs> nice. uh, so it gives quite quite nice stone fruit to us. Uh, obviously, heavy on heavy underflaked the flaked oats and heavy on the flake barley in there as
0: well. Yeah, I like the labels.
1: Mm. Yeah. Who, who, um, who designed they, these? Uh, I can't think of the guy's name. They, they were they were done. They they've been around previously to me. Right. So uh, I've I've used all uh, names but the recipes.
0: Yeah. So how um so how did you get involved with Tap It then?
1: Uh so, uh while I, while I was in Evolution, I, I did a, a Zoom pub with... Um, Sorry, I want a Zoom what? A Zoom pub, you know, like Zoom a pub. virtual virtual pub.
0: Oh, Zoom pub. Sorry, yeah. you did a Zoom pub.
1: Yes, so I did a Zoom pub and uh, it was uh, Ian from Wild Weather. Uh, so uh, the, the news of Ev- Evolution closing down broke during, during the lockdown while we were doing this Zoom pub thing. And uh, in in June, uh, he got he got a message from uh, his friend, who's the operations manager of Tappet, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they had just left left the brewer go, and they were looking for a new brewer. So he's like, "Oh, would you move down to Southampton?" As you do. Yeah, and I was like, might do," and uh, I drove down here the, the week after and. Had an interview with them and they offered me the job. Um, uh, at that at that point as well, I, I was uh, brewing uh, as like as a consultant for Play Bruco in Middlesbrough. Yes. Uh, so uh, I was uh, I brew I brew I went up to Middlesbrough twice. So I, I brewed six beers up in Middlesbrough. Um, so I got in contact with them through them that can so the uh Phil from playbruco he contacted Phil, um he contacted the guys from Dim the can he was uh, he wasn't so happy with the first cans he did, and uh they said, "Oh I know who can sort you out and they they put him in contact with me mm. and I went up there and brew brewed, brewed three beers for him uh they went down really well he had me back up to brew three more beers uh and since then i i've been uh, writing his recipes. Yeah. So I've been writing his recipes, and he he's got another brew that he uh, he has to come in to brew the beers to my specifications. Um, and yeah so I would he he was offering me a job, and I had tap it offering me a job, and I I, I was like in between which one to choose. So in the end, of the day I I I, I was uh, I missed to see. I don't know. I don't know about living in Middlesbrough. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think in my mind, when you was telling me kind of, do you go north or south? I was just like, yeah, I'd go south every time.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. like, so I've, I've come down here to Southampton, quite happy. Um, they, so Tapit, uh, it, it's been going, uh, the same, uh, length of time as Unity. It opened around the same time as Unity. So it's yep. been going, going about four years. um, but they've not really done much in four years. Um, the uh, the main brucus uh, it wasn't it wasn't totally operational for the past nine months. Um, so I came in. I had to do some engineering, get getting get a welder in and do some alterations, get uh, get an electrician in and and get the whole thing up and running. It took me about six weeks to get to get the Get the thing up and running. Uh, now, now I've I've brewed about eight beers on the kit. Um, right. uh, seems seems to be going quite well. Uh, and he, he's he's also like the guy that owns it as well. He's got he's got, uh, he's got a bar. Uh, he's got two bars in Southampton, and he's looking at building up a, a bigger portfolio of bars, and he he wants the brewery to feed those bars.
0: Right, I see.
1: Yeah, but he he like when he was looking for a brewer, he wanted someone that would push it forward and like do do, do a bit more than just brewing. Yep. Um, because he's, he's a property developer. He's, he's got, he's spinning a lot of plates. He doesn't have time to give it as much focus. Um, so he wants, he wanted a head brewer that could give it that focus. So here I am. Uh,
0: nice. <laughs> Bill, I mean it sounds like you've been on a, a huge journey um, yeah. so just as we round up what's what would you say the biggest lesson with the journey you've been on um in beer what What's the biggest lesson you'd learn in all this
1: biggest lesson i say uh, if if someone is um if a, if you, if a brewer is in a, in a job and not getting paid? Are not getting recognized. It's not. It's not even about getting paid. Not, not getting recognized for for what they've contributed to the to the company. Uh, look as else- look elsewhere. Like um, know your self worth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show. I mean, how, how can people get hold of uh, hold of your beers?
1: Uh, so we're currently in the, in in the process of uh, setting up an online shop. But until the online shop comes, if you if you if you want our beers in your in your in your bottle shop, just tell your tell your bottle shop to contact us right and we, we can sort something out. Awesome. because I, I, at, at the moment I'm just trying to get like push tap it as much as I can around, around the place yeah um, like and I'm only just getting going. Awesome, on, and then lockdown happened. Uh, so
0: it's, yeah, so it's, it's tapitbrew.co.uk is the address, just yeah. for our listeners yeah. out there. Um, and I'll uh, I'll definitely give these beers a try. Oh, it's the yeah. first time I've kind of opened the box live on air. Normally I crack the beer open, but uh, um, cool. What the Instagram handles if people want to fo- follow you on social media and Twitter and all that sort of stuff?
1: Uh, I'm Asta underscore brew underscore Don.
0: Yeah, so people can connect with you directly. Yeah. So tapit
1: nice. is uh, at tapit tapitbrew. Tap brewing company, I think.
0: Awesome, brilliant.
1: Yeah, <laughs> might might need to check.
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. I'll I'll sort that out. The Hot Four podcast this week was proudly brought to you by TEP Machinery Movement. The TEP Machinery's fleet of lifting equipment, forklifts and vehicles, coupled with their highly experienced team and extensive knowledge gained over 40 years, means they can support you with all your equipment installation, removal and movement requirements, as well as providing support for your ongoing maintenance and repair access needs. Ensure your equipment is placed in the right location, first time, every time. Give TEP Machinery Movement a call today on 01937 558 That's 01937 558 203. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot 4 podcast this week. Don't forget we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers.